So this morning we are continuing our series. Last week we had the 20th anniversary celebration, so we stepped away from our series on covenant affirmations. But this morning we are coming back to it. And uh, beginning with, uh, just a reminder, two weeks ago we had the first one. That as a covenant church, we have common affirmations. And these things, we, we affirm that we are an apostolic church, meaning we rely on the teaching of the apostles. We are a Catholic church in the sense that we are a universal church. We recognize that all who follow Jesus are our brothers and sisters. We are a Reformation church where we focus on the fact that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone and that we rely on Scripture. And we are an evangelical church and focusing on the whole mission of God, whether and the emphasis on Scripture, and also, too, of, of, of caring for people's needs, not only for their soul, for their, their eternal soul, but also for their lives even now today. So we come from these roots. And as I was reflecting on it two weeks ago, talking about how I was impressed at the breadth of the covenant, that the covenant church, we recognize that, and covenanters have lived by Psalm 119, verse 63. It says, Lord, I am a friend of all who fear thee. And so regardless of where people at, maybe a particular denomination or secondary um, things we might disagree on, if they are a follower of Jesus, we are brothers and sisters. I'm grateful for the breadth of the covenant. But I also appreciate the depth as I was reflecting on who we are as a covenant church, that so much of who we are goes back to Scripture, the teaching of the apostles, the Reformation, the evangelical movement, all of these things focus, Scripture was central to who we are. And those are our roots as covenanters, the Word of God, the Bible. And so that's where we begin today. This is the, the first affirmation of the covenant is that we are a, uh, we affirm the centrality of the word of God. That's central to who we are. And so Rick, do we have the video this morning for it? So listen, watch this video on some professors, Professor Snod, or, uh, Klein Snodgrass, who is a, a retired professor of New Testament and also uh, Professor Koptek uh, from the North Park Seminary. The centrality of Scripture is the first in the list of the covenant affirmations. We need to focus on the centrality of the Word of God because it's central to the life of the church and to our lives. This is the supreme authority by which we get our direction for life. And you need to remember how important it was in the formation of the covenant. If you look at the covenant affirmations in 22 pages, four times you will find the expression that the Scripture is the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. When we look at what are the things that guide our practice or tell us who we are or give us direction as to how we should decide things, the covenant asks, where was it written? And that's an extremely important question. Scripture, we say, is inspired, which basically means that it is God-breathed. And so it's a, it's a word that's breathed by God, but also a word that brings new life by the Holy Spirit. It's what the early covenanters said, and it's what Christians throughout the ages have said. They knew that this was the book where life was made available to them and brought into being. Scripture is for me an identity-shaping document, both for the individual and for the church. It answers the most important questions about life. Questions like, are we alone or is someone with us? Have we been created or are we an accident? Is there a God who cares about us? Does it matter what we do? What are we supposed to do? Is there any hope for this world in its troubled condition? And the scripture answers that kind of question. It comes and it says, there is truth from God, there is justice and mercy and compassion you should be showing, and there is hope. 
always listening to a story. And it comes through popular culture, it comes through conversations that we have day by day. And it's a story about who we are, where we're going, and what's most important. Um, but unfortunately, that story puts all the emphasis on how we are trying to master our futures, our destinies, and uh, it in part is based on our own mastery of technology or if I can just get enough stuff, maybe I'll have some security against the future. We need to realize that it's not only the sermon we get in church on Sunday that we listen to and hear. We're getting sermons all week long from all the other parts of society. There are all kinds of forces that would like to direct our lives. Society says to us, you can sacrifice truth if it's for your best good. But Christians can't say that. Christians have to say, no, we follow the truth that our God gives us, even if it costs us. We, we say that we find our identity not within ourselves or by what we do, but by uh, discovering what is going on outside of ourselves, this larger story of God's working out, God's purposes, and, and that that is what is turning us around and changing the way we think. Scripture asks us to put ourselves in the story of God, to be part of that story and live it out. There's a real sense in which as Christians, we take our identity from someone else's story and particularly from the story of Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. What is especially true of scripture is that it's a story about God and that we are finding who we are as we find ourselves in God. Scripture is the source of truth. It is the pattern of truth and it is the power of truth. It's not just that scripture is this dormant thing and uh, some religious relic or something. It is the avenue by which we encounter God's spirit. And in the reading of this text, the truth of God starts to become something living because of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. You stay within these parameters, life works and you can walk with your God. In fact, Jesus says at one point in John 6, my words are life and spirit. And what he means by saying that is, my words are the place where the Spirit interacts with you to bring about life in your being. If you watch other people's lives, as I uh, look at what happens with people in church or students, there is that awareness in reading scripture that they are finding who they're supposed to be. We must indeed keep the scripture before our eyes. We read it continually and we reflect on it continually. Even the difficult parts that we don't know what to do with or we don't understand too well or we don't, maybe don't like, those are the very ones we need to be thinking about. And uh, we don't end up just thinking through the issues of our society or following the idolatries of our society, but instead we have our lives organized and directed by scripture. The covenant started with a group of people who realized that they had to base their life together on scripture. Uh, they had had plenty of experience of hearing what scripture meant fed to them and they said it would be better if you and I and some others sat around together and looked at it and determined what it says. Not only so that we get it right 
because uh, we all have to have a sense of humility about whether we're getting it right because the very process of doing it together changes who we are and makes us more into what God would have us be as a church. We talk together about what the scripture means and so to ask the question where is it written implies also how do we understand it and that we're going to work together at that. We are called as a community to read the text together and to understand and reflect and be wise. Uh, and I do uh, urge students and churches, the reading of scripture is not an individual affair, it's a communal affair. We read together. And the transformation takes place in the conversation. Someone tries out an idea, well, is that biblical? Well, let's talk about it a while. And again, that imagination uh, starts to kick in and, and people start to say, we could live in a different way together. We could do something together that we could never do as individuals. One of the things I try to underscore for uh, students all the time is being biblical is not easy. It's very hard to be biblical because it is going to uh, make renovations in our lives. Again, as individuals and in communities, that the way we thought we were going to live, this uh, story that uh, we breathe in from the culture, uh, gets challenged at every turn. The other place where it is not easy to be biblical is because there are many things that the scripture does not address directly. We face issues in our society that the biblical writers didn't think about. That's okay. They would be content, I think, uh, if they borrowed my image, to say, oh, if you stay within the parameters, you will find your answers in that direction, not in another one. So what the church needs to do is to remember the scripture is this foundation, this, this central thing by which their lives are organized and directed. But together, Christians need to keep reading and understanding and reflecting. It's not an individual affair. We read together because none of us has enough of an angle on the truth to be able to comprehend and take it in, in all of it. It's not hard to love scripture uh, because that's the place where we understand who the God is that we are called to love. You know the basic command, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second command that goes with it, and your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> How are we going to know who we are and who God is, except just there? Uh, and in doing that, all of a sudden you find something that is so powerful, so energizing for life, that it's very hard not to to uh, focus on it, to read it, to spend your time with it. So as we talk about, as we enter this morning, this conversation about Scripture being the centrality of the Word of God, I was, I was wondering if anyone ever asks you, uh, you know, you Christians, why do you guys spend so much time in the Bible? I mean, isn't that thing like at least 2,000 years old? Why do you spend so much time reading it? 
Or what does this ancient culture have to do with anything that we are going through today? Or maybe some of even your Christian friends ask, you know, so the covenant, I mean, what's that about? And maybe you tell them, like, well, we believe in Scripture. And they say, well, like, why is that your first? Why is that your number one affirmation as, as a church? So I was wondering if you've ever had any of those questions. Maybe if you've wondered those questions yourself. And I've been thinking about that. And if you would, I've been, I think we find a good answer for that in uh, Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, if you want to open your Bibles to that. It's also on the back of your bulletin. So Paul, uh, an apostle, uh, a teacher, one of the first pastors, church planters, is writing to one of his understudies. His name is Timothy. And he writes these words to him. He says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God or the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it's just a short, a short passage, but as I've been reflecting on this, I realize a couple of things. One is, and you heard both uh, Professor Snodgrass and Professor Koptak talking about it, about how Scripture connects us with the living God. That it's through the Word of God that we get a sense, we get a connection to the heart of God. And through that, we, we encounter God in Scripture, but also God guides us through Scripture. And, and Professor Koptak was talking about, in, in 2 Timothy here, Paul says that all of Scripture is, is God-breathed. And in the Greek, it's theonoustos, which is the combination of God and spirit, or God and breath, and God-breathed. And so that Scripture is God-breathed. And so God works with humanity. God worked with these writers to, to write these words. And you notice, if you read through Scripture, you read, you know, they don't, it doesn't all sound the same. You read one book and you think, oh, God is working through Isaiah. And you read the next book and you realize, oh, God is working through Paul. And so God is, this spirit, or his spirit is in these words. And so as we read the word of God, it's important for us to be rooted in the word of God, that these are the roots. This is the base, the foundation of our faith. This is where we begin, is in scripture. It's because by spending time in the word of God, that we begin to understand who God is. We understand in God, we hear, not only do we hear God in Scripture, we encounter the living God in Scripture, but also through Scripture, God guides us. You know, because there are questions that come up that aren't specifically addressed by Scripture. You know, what do we do about, um, I don't know, is, is it ethical for us to buy clothes from China that are made by children? You know, Scripture doesn't address that specifically, but it does address it in principle. So if we keep reading the Word of God, we keep steeping in the Word of God, we'll be able to answer questions that the biblical writers didn't, they weren't attentive to. They, weren't, they didn't have in mind as they were writing. So Scripture will guide us uh, through life. But also we meet the Holy Spirit in Scripture. The Holy Spirit comes and, and we encounter the Spirit and He guides us, helps us to see, helps us, and as we talk about, helps us to answer questions of, of who are we? You know, are we just the pinnacle? Are we just the, the accumulation of all the stuff we have? Or are we more? Are we merely the, the job title we have? Or are we more? Are we children of God because of Jesus and what he's done? Scripture an- helps us to answer questions of who we are. Helps us to answer questions of why we are. Why are we here? We're here because God created us. Because God loves us and created us for his pleasure. Created us because he delights in us, like a father delights in his children. We're going to ask, you know, are we alone? Sometimes we feel that. But scripture reminds us that we're never alone. The Lord God is always with us. Always walking alongside us. 
especially when it's difficult. Maybe we can ask the question, you know, what is our hope? You know, if we, without Scripture, without faith, I think it becomes very easy to become a fatalist. Now, what's the point of all this? But Scripture reminds us there is a point, there is a hope. Not only for each of us personally, but for this world generally, there is a hope. So the Holy Spirit, we meet the Holy Spirit in Scripture. We encounter the living God in Scripture and it guides us in our life. But not only that, spirit, the, the Scriptures, they challenge us. You know, as the, both uh, Professor Koptak and Snodgrass talked about, they both said, you know, like, we hear sermons all the time. We hear sermons throughout the week. People, organizations, institutions, ideologies, everything trying to tell us how to think and what's important. Trying to tell us that the most important thing is me or my stuff or my money or my career or my retirement. We hear sermons all the time. But the Word of God runs right through the middle of all that. It's counter to all these other things that we hear, all these ideologies, all these idolatries that we hear in our culture. Scripture challenges us. I am a firm believer that you cannot read the Scriptures and follow Jesus and live just like everyone else around us. You can't. I think we're finding that more and more as our culture changes, that it's harder and harder to follow Jesus and look like our neighbors. I'm grateful for that. And I don't know, maybe we need to ask ourselves, if we look just like our neighbors, you know, are, we, are we really following Jesus? We need to keep asking ourselves that question. Are we really being faithful to what he taught us if we look just like our neighbor across the street? So the word of God in scriptures, we meet the living God. The living God guides us and the living God challenges us. We're reminded that the Word of God is foundational. It's the cornerstone of our lives. It's central to who we are. But it's interesting because I was thinking about this, you know, as covenanters, it's not just central to who we are as Christians. I mean, the Word of God is meant to be central to every follower of Jesus. But it's also central to who we are as covenanters. It's no mistake that the first affirmation of the covenant is that we affirm the centrality of the Word of God. The first one, pride of place, is our reliance on Scripture. It's the foundation of who we are. But I also am grateful for how both professors talked about it in, this, in the video that we watched. They were both saying that it's so important that we read it together, that we continue to read the Word of God together. This is the part you're going to love. I don't, I don't want you to just take what I say. I want you to go home and read it. I want you to read the Word of God. And I want you to read it together. None of us is smart enough to, tell, to have figured it all out. We need each other. Even the smartest biblical professors, they need to be reading Scripture together in community to get it right. We see so often when people start reading on their own and they stop listening to other people, and you see it, how they get off track and there's no bringing them back. We need to continue reading the Word of God together. As much as I wish it was, the sermon is not enough. Hearing Scripture on Sunday morning is not enough. We need to be reading Scripture on our own and in groups throughout the week. That's how we will grow. That's how we're going to really follow Jesus faithfully and even when it's difficult. Just getting it on Sunday morning isn't enough. We need to keep reading together. And it takes humility to read the Word of God together. 
It takes humility. And we have to hold unity at least as equal as our opinion. And what I mean by that is so often we get focused on our opinion that we throw unity right out the window. Oh, no, no, this is what I think. And I disagree with them. And because I disagree with them, then I'm not talking to them anymore. Christ never meant that. And it's true, I mean, all of us are different here. And I can tell you that on some theological point that we all have a difference. But on the main things, on our Father in heaven, on our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, on these things we agree. On these things we have unity, enough unity to withstand all sorts of disagreements on secondary issues. You know, I was thinking about it, you know, I talk about it, that we are a Reformed church or a Reformation church. And, you know, there's, there's one thing I loved about the Reformation is said that we, every person needs to be reading the Word of God. You know, and the Reformation was something that happened in the 1500s. Before that, people didn't read the Word of God. They just took the priest's word for it. And these Reformers said, no, we need to be reading the Word of God. Each person needs to be reading, which is awesome, which is great. It's foundational. But the, the dark side of that is that people began reading it for themselves and often alone. And so you began to get differences, which is normal, but people didn't know how to handle those differences. And because of their pride or insecurity or both, you began to get divisions and fractures in the church. You know, before the Reformation, there were a handful of what we'd call denominations, and now there are thousands of them. people who on 99% of what Scripture says they agree, but on one thing they can't agree, and so they would split and start new churches. It's heartbreaking. The Word of God is important. We need to keep reading it together, but it takes humility to read it together. Because unity is just as important as other uh, theological points. Unity is important. So we need to read the Word of God together. And you know what it's like. I mean, you've been in those places where you've seen people who they, they, they think they know all the answers and they're proud and you can't talk with them about anything. But we need to keep trying, keep, um, trying to understand, seeking more to understand than to be understood. And maybe some of us wrestle with that, with that difficulty of being wrong. We need to be humble to listen because even the most surprising places, people that we would never think can teach us about Scripture. I mean, I'm, I've gone to school, formal education for years to, to understand the Bible better. And my five-year-old son still teaches me about Scripture. And it takes humility to receive it. It takes humility to read the Word of God in a group. And that's the thing, I loved it, that Professor Snodgrass, he said, you know, none of us have enough of an angle on Scripture to have it all figured out. I mean, it's true, there's some people, in, even in this congregation, who've studied a long time. But we all need help. We all need each other to understand Scripture rightly. We need humility to listen to one another, to hear each other. Is that Charlie? <laughs> yeah, you guys can go if you need to, if you need to grab him. <laughs> So it's important for us to keep reading the Word of God and to keep reading together. That's one of the things I got out of listening to Professor Snodgrass and Coptite. 
is the word of God is central to who we are. It's foundational for who we are as followers of Jesus, and we need to keep reading it together. Amen.